the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Well, everybody, I hope you had a, a good Christmas if you have Christmas in your home, and I hope and most of you do, obviously. I always think these days about how many people have tension over philosophy of life, perceptions of America, the Middle East. I do, I do wonder about that. We've talked about that after Thanksgiving, and people gave their reports on on the issues. Well, it's the uh, final week of the year, my favorite week as it happens. Well, look at that. <laughs> I can't believe it, my friends. Your organization's policies are preventing us from completing this action for you. Really? That is really something. Am I not allowed to open URLs because of all of the blocks at uh, Salem? (laughs) Oh, God. I wonder if your companies have. I'm sure they do. People are so afraid of being hacked these days. Well, anyway, it's uh, it it was a a very wonderful time in my in my world. So, given the uh, the openness of of subject in the final week of the year, I, there was an article in the Daily Mail that I think is representative of the breakdown in clear moral thinking. I'm fat and refuse to give a toddler the extra seat I paid for on a flight. That's the title. His mum lost it at me, and angry passengers took her side. An obese woman has come under fire after refusing to give up her second airplane seat for a fussy toddler, but she believes she's done nothing wrong. The 34-year-old woman originally booked two seats on her cross-country flight because of previous experiences being unable to comfortably fit into one seat. She was excited to visit her family for Christmas, but everything went downhill when a young mother demanded she, quote, squeeze into one seat, unquote, so that her son could sit in the other. Now, Mr. Producer, is there a shred of doubt in your mind that she is right? You're talking about the obese woman? The obese woman. No, there's not. No, no, it's 100%. It's 100% clear. 
that's why I, I chose this story. This is a microcosm of the perverse thinking that, that the, the left world has put in people. I am obese, she admitted on Reddit. I'm actively working toward losing weight, and I've made progress, but I booked an extra seat because I'm fat. She revealed that she insisted on keeping her second seat because she paid for it. But it ruined the rest of her journey. The mother made a big fuss over it, and she told the flight attendant I was stealing the seat from her son. Thank you. Thank you. It is hard to steal something you've paid for. That is right. Then I showed her my boarding passes, proving that I paid for the extra seat. The flight attendant asked me if I could try to squeeze in. That is dep- it's, it's depressing. This story is depressing. But I said, no, I wanted the extra seat I paid for. This poor woman... Is thinking, is the world is the world crazy? Isn't that the point of my buying an extra seat? It's my seat. It's my seat. Because the child was only eighteen months old, he didn't need his own seat and could have sat with his on his mother's lap for the duration of the flight, but the mother was hoping for some respite from a squirmy toddler. The passenger said, I got dirty looks and passive-aggressive remarks from her for the entire flight. And I do feel a little bad because the boy looked hard to control. But am I in the wrong? Are you in the wrong? Oh, my God. She should have said, okay, give me the money that I paid for for that seat. Many slammed the mother and the flight attendant for their horrific behavior. Well, that's good. The mom is an a-hole for not buying a seat for her son and assuming someone else would give up a seat they had paid for, one passenger said. Odds are she was hoping there'd be extra seats on the flight so she didn't have to pay and use the lap thing as a loophole. What's even the point of the extra seat if the flight attendants are going to let entitled people bully others into giving it up? The flight attendant is the one that bothers me the most. Uh, the I have to say, and because I, I fly on average every week of the year, so if I miss a week, I fly twice the, ne- the other week. And so I, I am uh, on planes... I mean, at least 50 times a year. So uh, I have a lot of experience with this. There is the, the world of uh, people who work for airlines, like every other group on earth, is divided between the decent and the indecent. But in this case, it's not even decent and indecent. It's those who believe that they have a a role to play to protect the rules of flying and those who do not. Uh, The the worst offenders are Southwest Airlines, an airline I try to avoid whenever possible. Uh, You buy an an extra expensive ticket called Business Select to choose the seat that you want to sit in. 
but they allow uh, anybody who boards early, and there's a gigantic line uh, of, of people walking on the plane who presumably, presumably got a doctor's note to be able to do so. So there's no point in buying the extra fare seat because all the, all the handful of seats that have extra room are taken by others who didn't pay extra. Nobody on Southwest, in my experience, in 20 years, 30 years, I don't know how long it is, has ever told these people, you can't sit in those seats. So I avoid Southwest. Southwest screwed up again this year. Did you see that? How many airlines, uh, how many flights they, they uh, like, well, last year was, was a horrible. This year, they were the worst airline in terms of canceled flights again. But uh, people, I guess Southwest is you get what you pay for. So don't, don't expect uh, uh, that your flight not be canceled. Now, there are a lot of sweet people, too, in, in Southwest, like every other, every other endeavor. But uh, anyway, uh, that's an example of employees not enforcing rules. Or uh, airlines where you, again, you pay for uh, uh, extra money for a seat. And uh, you you don't board first. United is an example. You it's uh, you're in what is it boarding group one, but you're with many many other people. Now that doesn't affect most of you, and I I'm not saying it doesn't ruin my day, but but a better example is where people who should not be boarding do board, and they don't tell them, I'm sorry you can't board now. You're this is not your section. This, however, is the most egregious example I have yet heard of flight attendants not enforcing, not only of the rule of, a, of an airline, not enforcing morality. It's, uh, what's the point of an extra seat if the flight attendants are going to let entitled people bully others into giving it up, asked another passenger. People buy entire seats for high-end musical equipment. Not even people. Their lack of planning does not constitute an emergency on your part, a man wrote. But others blamed the woman for causing an inconvenience. If you're so fat that you have to have more than one seat on an airplane, then you are selfish, one said. Is that unbelievable? Unbelievable. Oh, God, you know, I have in my list, my bucket list, is to interview such people. I'd like to know how the mind that cannot think clearly works. Flights overbook all the time, especially during the holidays. How can you justify having two seats for yourself? It's called buying another seat. MyPillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever, just in time for Christmas. Get the Giza Dream Bed Sheets for as low as $29.98. A set of pillowcases only $9.98. Rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. All with the biggest discounts ever. They're all 
also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2024, making them the perfect gifts for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98 and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. MyPillow.com, promo code Prager. Here is a... uh, here, here is a, a headline that nobody will, few people will know about, and fewer will care about. Christmas massacre, Nigerian gunmen kill at least 140 in Christian-dominated regions. At least 140 people were killed by gunmen who attacked remote villages over two days. In north-central Nigeria's Plateau State, survivors and officials said Tuesday... In the latest such mass killing this year, blamed on the West African nation's former farmer-herder crisis. The assailants targeted 17 communities during the attacks on Saturday and Sunday, during which most houses in the area were burned down. As I am talking to you, the Mangu local government alone, we buried 15 people. We are counting no less than 100 corpses. Amnesty International, Nigeria's office, told the Associated Press that has so far confirmed 140 deaths. Some of the locals said that it took more than 12 hours before security agencies responded. Breitbart News, African Christians endured another grim year in 2022, especially in Somalia and Nigeria, where Islamist gangs wiped out entire villages. Hmm. Gee, as my producer pointed out, Jews didn't do this. You think the Pope will speak? Has the Pope spoken out on this? I I raised this issue... He's called Israel terrorist, but I'm not sure. I don't know if he speaks out about this. Tens of thousands of Christians murdered in Africa by Muslims. Hmm. No group took responsibility for the attacks. But this, uh, okay, but the blame fell on herders from the Fulani tribe who have been accused of carrying out such mass killings across the northwest and central regions where the decades-long conflict over access to land and water has further worsened the sectarian division between Christians and Muslims in Africa's most populous nation. I always like that. The sectarian division. Are Christians murdering Muslims in Nigeria? It's the sectarian division, or is it the Islamic murderers? (laughs) That's the question, is it not? Yeah. Presumed jihadists stormed the Catholic Church in southwest Nigeria Sunday and opened fires on worshippers, killing at least 50. That's another another story. 
just for the record. But uh, it doesn't matter because Jews didn't do it. And so it is ignored by the media and the world. 1-8 Prager 776, though. I, Sean, you're going to have to zoom me uh, the uh, as you do when I'm on the road. I have no access to the uh, the phone app on this computer. Okay. Canada to provide free tampons in mes- re- men's restrooms. Free tampons and menstrual menstrual pads now required in Canadian government-controlled men's restrooms. It was a huge problem, by the way. The a huge problem. Made, the thought that it was it took them so long. Amazing. Oh. I mean, just in your life alone, how many men do you know that use menstrual plants, right? Exactly. Just in your own exactly. life. Exactly. It preys on me. Canada's really sick. Canada's really, 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 really sick. I don't, I don't know if it's uh, salvageable. There is at least in the United States, which is, has as much sickness, but it also has massive amount of, of health fight back. It's not massive. There is fight back in in Canada, but it's not massive. The truckers who would who would not be forced into taking vaccines, some of them saved their lives by not taking the vaccine. If you deny that, you're lying to yourself. If you deny that there are people who who have prematurely died because of the vaccine, it is because you're not interested in truth. All federally regulated employers in Canada are now required to stock free feminine hygiene products such as tampons and menstrual pads in all restrooms, including men's. Because, as you know, men menstruate. The new regulations went into effect earlier this month under Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's left-wing administration. This is from Fox News. So... The Canadians who voted for him are responsible for this. I'm responsible, I admit, I'm responsible for the behavior of the politicians I vote for, unless unless I had absolutely no way of knowing that they would do this, I mean, that you can't blame people for voting for people who just th- throw surprise actions at them. All toilet rooms, regardless of their marked genders. This means that every female-identified, male-identified, and all gender toilet rooms will need to have menstrual products, the website says. Better better protects menstruating employees. See, it's not women. Menstruating employees. And makes sure that they feel safe to use the toilet room that best reflects their gender. We shall return. Well, come on, pretty baby, won't you walk with me? Come on, pretty baby, won't you Where do they find these people? It, it, that's my first reaction to this story. The Air Force Academy's top official worried 
is worried that the Supreme Court's decision that race-based admissions were unconstitutional would set back the Air Force's, quote, war-fighting imperative, unquote, of building a racially diverse military. It's a wartime imperative. Yeah. How exactly did America fight wars before that? And that was wrong to exclude anybody because of race. It's wrong to include, and it's wrong to exclude people because of race. But the idea that you need racial diversity in order to fight a war? Really? You think the Chinese uh, military is racially diverse? I guess we should really trounce China if there was a a war between us. The is the Iranian military racially diverse? You have to be racially diverse in order to have quote war fighting imperative fulfilled. On June thirtieth, Lieutenant General Richard Clark, where did they find these people? How do you grow up in the Air Force and become a lieutenant general and be such a fool? The Air Force Academy superintendent wrote a preview of the consequences that the Supreme Court's decision striking down affirmative action could have for service academies' abilities to judge candidates on the basis of race. (laughs) According to emails obtained through a Freedom of Information Act request. Although the justices did not overtly apply the decision to military schools, the records show how the Air Force Academy scrambled to minimize the impact of the decision on racial diversity goals. If we lose our limited window to reshape the racial diversity of each incoming class... Lieutenant General Clark wrote, it would affect our ability to meet the war-fighting imperative of fielding a diverse, inclusive force. It's in a war-fighting imperative, yeah. Like in the history of the world. I know, like it's ever, it's ever been. I thought the war-fighting imperative was to win. You thought the war-fighting imperative was to win? Yeah. Where did you get that from? That's what they taught you in Chicago schools? Wow. So I would like to put the head of the Air Force Academy, Richard Clark, on a lie detector test. And all I would ask is one question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that it is a war-fighting imperative to field a diverse, inclusive force. Whoo, boy. So where did they, that's my question, though. Where did they find this guy? Did he grow up, I mean, he, he, he rose in the ranks of the Air Force. And and where where did he pick this up? 
These factors are used to design a class of diverse backgrounds in accordance with the Department of Air Force's broad definition of diversity and operational needs. As such, not being able to consider race in a holistic review would further hinder the Department of Air Force diversity. I guess DAF is Department of Air Force, no? AF is Air Force. More so than civilian universities. Really? The Air Force's definition of diversity includes race, ethnicity, gender, personal life experience, cultural knowledge, prior education, work experience, and spiritual perspectives. Wow. Not ability to fight. That's absent. <laughs> Do I know that film or what? The answer is what? Hi, everybody. Male, female hour, the last of the year. Uh, it, it rips at the heart. The last male, female hour of the year. Well, welcome to the show. I'm Dennis Prager. I, don't, I never remember what year we... So I only remember we started the Happiness Hour in 1999. What, you know exactly? When did we start the uh, the Happiness Hour? I mean, the male-female hour. We started in... And now April the answer 2nd. is coming... Sorry? April 2nd. April 2nd. 2008. 2008. So we will have our 16th anniversary the first Wednesday of April of 2024. There's something surreal about these numbers. 2024. So today I invite you to call in on any subject that we've discussed or not on male-female issues, something in your marriage or relationship, and anything related. It's the annual Open Lines Male-Female Hour. Sometimes I get new subjects out of this. It is amazing how many subjects I have actually come up with on on the male-female issue in the course of all these years. And... I have learned a tremendous amount from you. What, what is it called? There is a term for the wisdom of the of the of the crowd, as it were. What is it called? There's a term. Yeah, wisdom of the crowd. No, not wisdom of the crowd. That's not. It's that's what it is, but it's not what the the term is. Collective wisdom. That's the term. Collective wisdom. That, that's what I uh, get from you. Do you have the list? Because I was going to uh, review here. It's only partial, but I can go back as far as you want. All right, well, yeah, just uh, where, where do I find it? Trillion. All right, because I this will trigger some reminders for you, as indeed for me. Hmm. Today is a computer challenge day, I will have to say that. Okay, nice. I am going to uh, share with you. Wow. 
Look at that. And this is only from uh, the the from 2023. Amazing. Just from July. Happy wife. Does a happy wife mean a happy life? That's the cliche, but is it true? How about the rational spouse, happy house? Men and women need each other. Another topic. Women need men. We shouldn't want to lose this essential truth. It's one of the basic building blocks of civilization. Yeah, I bet a lot of your daughters, if they went to college, maybe high school suffices. Don't think they need a man. The feminist movement, truly one of the most destructive movements in terms of values and in terms of human happiness to have ever been created. And if you say, well, you don't believe in male-female equality, you think it took the feminist movement for people to know that men and women are equal? Do you think that my grandfather thought that men and women were not equal? He was a religious Jew. It was a given. In fact, in, in my religion, there is actually, and I don't think it's, it's unique, there was actually a fairly strong body of thought that women were superior. They didn't need to observe all the laws. That's true to this day. Men are obligated to all the ritual laws. Women are, are not obligated to any of the ritual laws that are time-bound. In other words, you have to pray at this hour. They're not obligated. The, and the, I learned as a kid one of the reasons was they didn't need them that men were more in need of, of, the, of these observances to control themselves. Also, uh, the woman is the last thing God created in the Genesis creation story. And creation always goes from lower to higher. So arguably, the, the woman is the last thing to be created, the last being, is the culmination of creation. You didn't, uh, you didn't need the feminist movement uh, to tell people men and women are created equal. Anyway, that was not the, the emphasis of feminism. The emphasis of feminism was that men and women are the same. A truly destructive idea. And that women don't need men, and that the ideal life for a woman is one where you need no one. You're not dependent upon anybody. So that's a uh, that was a big. See how many happy women there are today. How many young women? Just radiating joie de vivre. One eight Prager seven seven six. And let's let me give you some more of the th- things that we reviewed over the course of the year. Let's see here. Did you marry someone because you thought it would make you happy? Did you marry someone thinking you could make that person happy? That was one of the topics this year. My theory on that is that people have a much greater ability to make others miserable than to make another person happy. You know who makes you happy? You. 
Eh, you know what? That's interesting. I, what did we resolve? Is there a division? We did this before Thanksgiving. Is there a division of the enjoyment of the holiday between the sexes? Do men or women like these holidays more? Or is it pretty much evenly distributed? What did we resolve? I don't remember what was resolved. But was not resolved? Hmm. Yeah. One of the issues I did this year is men are programmed to want variety in their sexual partners. In order for marriage and civilization to work, men must battle their sexual nature. When they do so successfully, they have done something significant and maybe even heroic. These are the summaries that Alan wrote in these cases. That is correct. The issue, the the burning issue for men, contrary to what is generally spoken of, is not frequency, that's an issue, but is variety. The male animal is programmed to spread its seed that causes great chaos in society. It's so powerful. Think of all the people whose lives have been ruined. All of the men, I'm talking about the men whose lives have been ruined because of their sexual drive. It is not an argument about the weakness of men, although on occasion that is applicable, as much as it is about the power of the nature of male sexuality. Yep. Then when we did one, what does your spouse do that drives you crazy? What do you do that drives your spouse crazy? <laughs> All right, what is on your mind? This is the uh, this is the one. This is the male female hour last of the year. Eight seven seven two four three triple seven six. Back in a moment. One eight Prager seven seven six. Why did the uh, woman who called in about feminism? Why did she hang up? If you can get back in, it was I think Christina was that her name? I don't remember. All right, this is the open lines, male-female, because it's the last one. And let's go here to, uh, let's see, Marletta, is that correct, South Carolina? Patsy, hello. Hey, Dennis, Patsy. Hi. Hey, listen, you had a discussion earlier in the year, and it was late, early September. I had to talk with my grandson. He's 20, and he said, he said, Mama, I said, how's your love life? Who are you dating? Mama, I can't find anybody to date. We had this long discussion. I asked permission that I could tell his story on your show if I ever got through. And he said, Mama, at first I was calling them girls. He said, Mama, they're called women. And I said, okay. <laughs> and then he said, Mama, they don't want to date. And if they do want to date, they're so busy with their girls. He said, and the worst thing, he wants to be show chivalry. Well, you can't do that because they get all over you if you do that. So I said, well, then back off from that, son, and grandson, just go Dutch. And he said, Mama, they don't even need you for anything. He said, they don't even need you for sex because they have sex with each other. That's what I wanted to tell you. But I How old is he? About it. 20. He'll be 21 in March. 
It's awful. Wow, he's a that's, real that's really man. that's a real really a, an amazing thing for him to say to you. Oh, we talk about everything. I don't. I, I'm very yeah, no, it's a credit to your uh, dialogues with him, but I'm yes. saying the content of what he said is amazing. Yeah. Well, so, well, by the way, there is a a fair amount of truth uh, to what your uh, grandson said, because from what I'm reading, we have vast numbers of young men who are sexually attached to their computer, to their computer screen, and uh, a lot of young women who have uh, ruled out men for the for the time being for whatever reason so there may there may be truth there is less sexual activity among young people than at any time in the last well I would say since since the 1960s so that's 40 so that's uh, over 60 years. It's very interesting. A lot of uh, people who were opposed are opposed to premarital sex. And they probably now are aware. And by the way, there's a tremendous amount to be said. I... I, I I have a middle position. I think that people should not do nothing prior to marriage and that ideally they would save intercourse for marriage. That has always been my position. Always. I've never wavered on that. So I, I, I'm, I'm sort of in nobody's uh, camp. or well, I think of a lot of people would agree with me, but there's, there's no organized group. The religious are against uh, doing anything, many religious, and the secular are not against anything except not using birth control. But you got to admit that the problem of premarital sex is not as bad as the problem of the two sexes swearing off one another. Men watching what they're watching, boys watching what they're watching, really. And uh, girls doing their own thing, sometimes with girls. It's not, not a healthy development. Okay, let's go to... Uh, Sarasota, Florida, and Richard. Hello. Hello, Richard. Hello, Mr. Prager. Good afternoon to you, sir. Thank you. About a, a year and a half ago or so, uh, a man called into the, the Man and Woman Hour, and he said something to the effect of, I'm married, but I'm addicted to pornography. And of all the years I've listened to you, everything you say kind of hits my heart because the truth of God hits it. You know, it's written on our hearts. But what I remember you telling that man was something to the effect of, well, as long as it's not affecting your marriage, your work, or your life, whatever, I, I don't really see a problem with it. And please excuse me if I don't remember that correctly. But it came back to my mind today as I was listening because of the topic you were just having, for instance, of boys being attached to their computers sexually, men overcoming their you know, sexual proclivity, and that's heroic. And I was just real surprised 
from a perspective of, number one, if you have an addiction, it may not be causing you a problem now, but it probably will in the future. And then number two, pumping money into that industry of pornography just seems kind of all around sinful and stuff. And so I wanted to go over that topic with you, sir. Yeah, so let, let me say, so I, uh, I took it because it's very important that I clarify my views on this. Oops, what happened here? Oh, I'm sorry about that. I, I don't Well, at least you got your question in. But Okay, so... First, nobody called in saying that they were addicted. If you're addicted, I would have said this is ser- there's a real problem, a serious problem. And it's oh, it was never a man; it was always women uh, that have called in over the course of my years and said that they found sexual imagery on their husband's computer. And I have always asked them if they have a good love life, both in terms of love and in terms of sexual intimacy and if they said yes I don't want I don't want to say to a woman you're married to a pervert or a sinner I I want to keep their marriage happy and together and that's my first obligation I believe because in my religion there's a concept of shalom by peace in the house And I'll talk to you about that because the rabbi said something. Anyway, let me just say before the break, which is coming in a few seconds, if all pornography disappeared overnight, America would be a much better place. I don't have any ambivalence about that fact. Back in a moment. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. I don't know how many of you are familiar with a popular left-wing... What would you call it? What would you call the Young Turks? A left-wing podcast? Yeah. Yeah. And I was was on on their show once, and... I left with it with a sense of irrational anger as dominant the irrational it's just a lot of yelling not my not my cup of tea as you know especially by the male chenk Uyghur. i saw him on a debate with uh, with douglas murray telling him to shut up and calling him in all sorts of names. I mean, Douglas Murray is one of the intellectual and moral heroes of our time. 
it's truly the moral midget and the moral giant. So here is a tweet. I've never commented on this man before, but this tweet is so typical of him and the left that I thought I would bring it to your attention. Let me see here. There we go. This is a tweet, or an X, if you will, from Cenk Uyghur of the Young Turks. Just came out December 26th. Today is December 27th. Since Jesus is from Bethlehem, he's technically a Palestinian. Remember that the next time you hear a death toll from the Palestinian territories. If Jesus returns to the place of his birth, could he survive the night? Or would he, or would he be just another Palestinian casualty? I think that this represents proof of my statement that le- truth is not a left-wing value as well as anything that any leftists can come out with. Leftists dominated by hatred of the West and especially of Israel, which they hate for being an outpost of Western civilization in the middle of the Muslim world. And indeed it is. It is an outpost of Western civilization. That is correct. Some think it's to its credit. Others like Cenk Uyghur and the Young Turks think that that is a bad thing. So let's unravel this particular thing. Since Jesus is from Bethlehem, he's technically a Palestinian. Would he say that about indigenous Americans? Since the Navajo are from, and then where are the Navajo? In Arizona? So since the Navajo are from Arizona, they're technically Arizonans. He would never say that, because it denies who they are. But much, much more remarkable. There was no such thing as Palestine at the time of Jesus. It was an invention, complete invention of the Romans. It didn't exist. It never existed. There was never a country named Palestine. There was never an independent entity named Palestine. In fact, before Israel was created, Palestine was associated with the Jews. The Jerusalem Post was the was the Palestine Post. The Israel uh, Philharmonic was the Palestine Philharmonic. The United Jewish Appeal was the United Palestine Appeal. So just since we live in the age of enforced ignorance because the left runs our schools and our media you don't know, almost nobody knows that. So this Jesus was a Palestinian thing is the classic, uh, I've, I've said this before I even knew the Young Turks existed. Anyone who says Jesus was a Palestinian, or in the case of Hitler, Jesus was an Aryan. That's what the Nazis said. The de-Judaization of Jesus is the mark of a Jew hater of an anti-Semite. That, that's the, re, the, it's, it's the de-Judaization of Jesus. In this entire tweet, 
the fact that he is a Jew is not mentioned. Are were you familiar with this tweet? No. And that something? Yeah. Since Jesus is from Bethlehem, he's technically a Palestinian. It's a lie. It's a stupid, ignorant, ignorant lie. Does he believe what he wrote? I have, after all these years, I've come to believe that leftists often believe their lies. A, they don't know a lot, and B, they convince themselves. He's technically a Palestinian. There was no Palestine. He was a Jew in Judea. That's all that Jesus was as a man. Obviously, to Christians, he was more than a man, but that's who he was as a man. Remember that the next time you hear a death toll from the Palestinian territories, if Jesus returns to the place of his birth, could he survive the night? Well, it depends. If Muslim terrorists murdered him because he was a Jew, he wouldn't survive the night, dummy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's painful to read. This This is like men give birth. This is a theological equivalent of men give birth from this young Turk guy. If Jesus returns to the place of his birth, can he survive the night? Well, Jews don't survive well in the Palestinian territories. They don't survive well even if they're not in the Palestinian territories, if Muslim terrorists can slaughter them like they did the entire Israeli Olympic team in Germany in the 1972 Olympics. By the way, you should all see the movie. It's a Spielberg movie. What is the name of the movie? Munich. Munich. You, you, it's riveting as a movie, and it is morally obligatory that you see it. The slaughter of the entire Israeli Olympic team by Palestinian terrorists. No nation, no group has unleashed proportionately the amount of terror as have Palestinians. The moral record of the Palestinians is about as low as it gets in the modern world. That's a fact if morality has any factual bases to it. But uh, it's but the Western media because they have they're aligned with the Palestinians because they both both the left and the Palestinians loathe the West. Would he be just another Palestinian casualty? This is what goes. Do you know how many millions of followers apparently or subscribers? That's what it says on YouTube anyway. Imagine the number of people, the ignorance that they have to believe this. That this is a, that this has any truth to it? If Jesus came back, he would identify as a Palestinian, not as a Jew? Wow. Well, next time you hear about Chenk and the uh, Young Turks, just, just remember this. It's got 1,423 reposts, 5,906 likes. The ignorance on the left of, of reality is really quite something. There was a great piece 
just uh, three days ago in the Jerusalem Post. Jesus was not Palestinian. We need to dispel the myth forever. We should put this up. This is from the Jerusalem Post. It's a very important piece. With Christmas bells a-ringing and billions soon to begin their celebration, Jesus a Jew would be in for a real surprise to hear guests on his birthday claiming that he was from Palestine, a term he might have never encountered during his lifetime. Nevertheless, it's that time of year when, like clockwork, some pro-Palestinian activists, like Cenk Uyghur, have again begun, I added the Cenk Uyghur, begun unleashing social media posts claiming that Jesus, born in Bethlehem, was a Palestinian. In reality, Jesus was a proud, observant Jew who lived in his indigenous homeland of Judea and Galilee, from the manger to the grave. The myth that Jesus was Palestinian, a ploy designed to invite Christians to support Palestinian nationalism, often morphs into deliberate efforts to deny Jews their history, indigeneity, and right to sovereignty in Israel. We continue. So, this guy Cenk Uyghur of the Young Turks says that Jesus was a Palestinian. This is the classic work of the anti-Semite. I know he denies he's an anti-Semite. He always mentions that two of those who helped start the Young Turks were Jews. Of course, they left him. <laughs> that he doesn't mention. Uh, but that's besides. Anyway, I don't believe he hates every Jew. There are so many Jews who who share his leftist hatred of America and Israel that uh, how could he not like them? Um, you know, so many. Uh, maybe there are many. I'll drop the word so. He doesn't hate all Jews. The, the notion that to be an anti-Semite you have to hate every single Jew on earth uh, is means that there are no anti-Semites. There is probably no one who hates every single Jew on earth. Okay, then so there are no anti-Semites. There is uh, there there were racists who didn't hate every single black on earth, but they were racist. So, but uh, this is a giveaway. Jesus was the, the denial that Jesus was one hundred percent Jew, zero percent Arab, zero percent Palestinian. Okay, not ninety nine one. There was no Palestine. And there were no Arabs, and there were no Muslims. Not for another, let's see, a time of Jesus, another 600 years. That's when Muhammad was born. <laughs> Jerusalem Post has a piece about this. In reality, Jew- Jesus was a proud, observant Jew who lived in his indigenous homeland of Judea and Galilee. The myth that Jesus was a Palestinian ploy designed to invite Christians to is a is a point a ploy to des, des, designed to invite Christians to support Palestinian nationalism. According to Christian sources, Jesus was born a Jew and he lived a Jewish in a Jewish kingdom located in much of modern Israel, where Jews have now lived consecutively for three thousand years. 
His disciple Luke noted that like all other Jewish boys, Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, Luke 2.21, and later attended synagogue, Luke 4.16. According to Mark, Jesus was referred to as a rabbi, frequently, I might add. And per Matthew, Jesus' last meal was a Passover Seder. Importantly, Jesus hailed from the Jewish kingdom of Judea, also known as Judah, the southern province of historical Israel. Matthew painstakingly detailed that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea and that he preached throughout Galilee and Judea. Jesus also surely prayed as a Jew at the temple in Jerusalem, which he referred to as a house of prayer when citing Isaiah, according to Matthew 21. Unsurprisingly, Palestine is never referenced in the New Testament. That's because during Jesus' time, Palestine didn't exist. But Cenk Uyghur of the Young Turks says he's a Palestinian. And his supporters are not watching this or listening to this show. So they don't realize that they've been lied to and it won't it wouldn't bother them if they did because they would share in it they would share in that lie but it's a big lie hitler said that uh, the nazis said that jesus was an aryan the de-judaization of jesus is the mark of the modern antisemite The term Palestine derives from Philistia after the land of Philistines, a people originally from the Aegean coastline, modern-day Greece and Turkey. Goliath was defeated and the Philistines disappeared centuries before Jesus was born. After imperial Rome defeated the third Jewish uprising, Roman forces massacred and expelled massive numbers of Jews from Judea and renamed it Syria-Palestina. That was in the year 135, over a century after Jesus' death. The new name was, quote, to minimize Jewish identification with the land, unquote, and punish the rebellious Jews by naming the country after their biblical enemies. As evidenced by the Romans, the erasure, erasure of Jewish memory, identity, and culture from Israel has become a mainstay tactic for anti-Semites over millennia. What would Jesus now say about Palestinian-American activists such as comedian Amer Zaher, BDS supporter Linda Sarsour, and even Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas, who in recent years have depicted Jesus as Palestinian? And anyway, the the whole piece is up at uh, DennisPrager.com. It's an important piece from the Jerusalem Post. 1-8-Prager-776. It amazes me that people could write what this Cenk Uyghur wrote. I've never cited him before because I don't think it's worthy of giving publicity to a nihilistic podcast, but this went over the top. It won't matter 
it will just if there it, if it is responded to it'll just be with attacks on me which is fine but there will be no defense of what was said Jesus was 100% Jew 0% Arab 0% Palestinian that's the fact we'll return momentarily been talking to you about the erasure of Jesus's Jewishness by the pro-Palestinian and the Palestinians themselves. Shank Weger of a uh, of a left-wing podcast called The Young Turks tweeted out yesterday, what was it yesterday or this weekend? Yeah, this weekend. Since Jesus is from Bethlehem, he's technically a Palestinian. See, th- this is a this is a problem beyond the uh, the anti-Jewish element. Uh, th- the problem is that truth is not a left-wing value. You, that is literally true. What I have said, and I say it probably every week of the year, probably more than once a week. What matters is, is what I am saying effective against my political enemies? That is how the left-wing mind thinks. Stalin started it when he called Trotsky a fascist. Trotsky was the father of the Russian Revolution along with Lenin. But Trotsky became anti-Stalin, and Stalin ultimately had him murdered in Mexico by an assassin who had an ice pick. Making up things about your ideological foes and passing them off as truth is the modus operandi of the left. So, there you go. He's a Palestinian. And the millions or hundreds of thousands or whatever number of followers he has, this Cenk Uyghur, believe it. Because it's anti-Jewish and anti-Israel, that's the criterion for what goes as truth on the left. Does it comport with our, our ideology, not is it true? Remember that the next time you hear a death toll from the Palestinian territories, if Jesus returns to the place of his birth, could he survive the night? Well, because after all, Jews are killing Christians, or whatever he would be, Palestinians. I mean, it's such a bizarre thing, because if Jesus couldn't survive, it would be because he was a Jew, not because he was a Palestinian. This is what goes for truth on the left. This is a very scary thing. But the uh, the Palestinian Authority has been, uh, and Hamas has been saying this for years. As the, uh, as the Jerusalem Post writer notes, understanding this denial of Jesus' Jewishness 
is crucial for understanding global and anti-Israel misinformation and anti-Semitism. As a victim of anti-Semitism, Jesus would have likely been confused and perhaps insulted to be portrayed as Palestinian identity whose etymological roots were sowed by the very empire, the Romans, whose soldiers subjected him to anti-Semitic abuse before crucifying him. Hail, King of Jews, the Romans said before slapping him. Yeah, it's, it is, it, it's very, Jesus is Palestinian, is totally reminiscent of Jesus was Aryan. The line the Nazi used, the Nazis used about Jesus. Too difficult to actually acknowledge. The Nazis did not want to acknowledge how Jewish Jesus was. So they called him an Aryan. And now you have the same thing today. Anyway, one eight Prager seven seven six eight seven seven two four three triple seven six. The use of Jesus to foment anti-Semitism is a fairly new, a new thing. Well, no, no, I don't know if it's fairly new. It was done in the Middle Ages too. When there was uh, when there was much more Christian anti-Semitism, the, the Christians who most fought anti-Semitism were American Christians. Hence, America has been a blessing for Jews to live in. Will that always be? Depends on how powerful the left and the immigrants from Muslim countries become. Sorry to say, on both, we return. On the lights and you knew just what to say when I was fading Sometimes all that you need is someone who can believe in you So the, uh, the pro-Palestinian folks, like Cenk Uyghur of the Young Turks, now call, the, call Jesus a Palestinian. Not once in that tweet does he mention that he was a Jew, and only a Jew. He was not a Palestinian the term was not even invented yet. It's it's really quite something. But as I said, that's what the Nazis did. They called Jew, uh, Jesus a an Aryan. Yep. All right. Let's uh, take. Uh, let's go to your calls on that fact. So Columbus, Ohio, Carrie. Hello. How are you? Okay, I'm well. Better than the yeah. world. <laughs> um, I, I was just listening to the comments. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that this idea of, of denying Jesus' Jewishness goes back probably to the end of the first century when the church was moving into more of, uh, you know, attracting more non-Jews. And, and the Gospel of John is probably the, the most un-Jewish of all the, of all the Gospels. Jesus lives among Jews, but is not of the Jews. And as you know... Uh, well, why, I, in... I, I just, ironically, I'm going through the New Testament again. That, I mean, there are things in John where Jesus is quite angry at the Jews who deny him, but uh, there is no hint that he's not of the Jews. Right. 
Well, right. Well, right, but you, you said that's what John is saying. There is no hint in any of the Gospels that he's not of the Jews. So, so you just he lives a, among the Jews. He no, not just not among the Jews. He is a Jew. He was a practicing Jew. There, there's nothing, there's nothing in the New Testament that denies that. The issue that the New Testament has with Jews is not the Jewishness of Jesus. It's the fact that Jews should have recognized him as they believe he is, which is the Son of God. But that that's that has nothing to do with the Jewishness of Jesus. That is never in doubt. And nor is it portrayed as such. He was circumcised. We have every reason to believe he kept kosher. I remember the button in, in Greenwich Village when I was still living in New York in my 20s. Jesus was raised in a kosher home. Only in Greenwich Village could they come up with a button like that. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Granbury, Texas. Eduardo, hello. Good to talk to you, sir. You and I were on the same panel in San Diego, uh, Michael Medved and, and uh, uh, oh, the Secretary of Commerce back then. And, and uh, anyway, it's good to talk to you, sir. When was that? That that was when Bill Clinton was president. I was a young Marine major and uh, debating different homosexual groups to prevent open homosexuality in the Marine Corps back then. Huh. Wow, we were on the same panel in the Clinton era, and we haven't spoken since. No, no, I listen to you frequently, but... uh, Right. All right, anyway, good to hear from you. Thank you. Yeah, I I wanted to make the point that that, uh, uh, Satan, uh, Lucifer, all the different names are titles, not a name. And in the Hebrew, if you don't have a name... Uh, you know, then then that's that's not a good thing. <laughs> and so I, I feel that there's a that Satan hates God, and uh, he knows that God loves the Jews, and so uh, it's a there's a spiritual dimension to anti-Semitism. Well, l- let me say that one doesn't even have to uh, share a, a belief in Satan as such. To, or of course, there, to argue that, of course, there is a spiritual dimension to anti-Semitism. Many Christian writers have said that in the final analysis, anti-Semitism is, is hatred of the God that the Jews brought into the world. As uh, Ernest von den Hag, who was not Jewish, I don't know if he was Christian, but Ernest von den Hag, one of the great thinkers of the 20th century, should be better known than he is. He wrote, the Jews have never been forgiven for bringing in a judging God into the world. People don't like to be judged. And God does, uh, the, the God that the Jews brought in judges all of humanity, not just the Jews. And by the way, judges the Jews in the same way. If anything, even more, even more stringently. So there's, there's, the, you should all read well a whole host of things. Well, you should read why the Jews. 
the book I wrote with Rabbi Joseph Telushkin many years ago and is in its third edition. It's called Why the Jews? The Reason for Anti-Semitism, the Greatest Predictor of Evil, which is exactly what anti-Semitism is. If America flirts with anti-Semitism, it's the end of America. Anti-Semitism crushes the society that is anti-Semitic. It crushes the Jews, but it always crushes the society that was anti-Semitic. There is no more telltale sign about the moral breakdown of a society than anti-Semitism. America in its heyday was the most philo-Semitic country in the world, most pro-Jewish country that has ever existed. The fact that it may not be, I'm not, I'm not sure it isn't, I don't know how widespread the anti-Semitism is outside of uh, Muslim uh, immigrants and their children and the, uh, and the left. I don't know. But that's, uh, that's a, a very noisy crowd. But it is, uh, if not ended, if that anti-Semitism is not stopped, you can say goodbye to the United States as we have known it. We return momentarily. Hello, everybody. Final segment of today's show as we continue in the last week of the year. Even young people think this year sped by. It's hard to explain. I think I remember January so well, and it's January next week. Well, it means, what is the famous, what is the great uh, Talmudic saying? Oh, yes, there is a lot of work, and the time is short. That's right. There's a lot to do, and the time is short. That's a very good motto for life. When I tell you that I had more wisdom, and most of my classmates did in eighth grade than the vast majority of American university professors, it is not a boast, because first of all, I'm including most of my classmates. But we were taught religious wisdom. We were taught biblically based wisdom. The the secular institutions are the least wise institutions of our society. As I have told you frequently, it is one of the reasons I believe in the Bible, because the people who have none turn out to be fools. Only secular people say men give birth That is about as important a realization as you can make in life at this time. Not all secular people say it, but the people who say it are all secular. Yes, at our universities, you learn to be a dummy. And I have warned about that, and now society's catching up with my realization. It's a big problem, to say the least. 
And that's a reflection on the current state of things. People ask me what I think will happen in 2024. I never make predictions about anything. I, I, I just don't. I, my life is composed of if you do X, then Y will happen, but not Y will happen. If we continue as we're doing, ought to be 100% political for just one moment. If tens of millions of ballots are sent to people who didn't request them, the chances of an honest election are reduced. That is the only reason that all these ballots are being sent out. That's a, that's a worrisome thought. With that, I wish you a happy new year, and I'll see you tomorrow. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.